0: place to belong. We all need that. Amen? Yeah. So, hey, I'm glad you guys are here at 805. Man, the donuts are fresher. The coffee's hotter. All that good stuff. So, thank you all for being here today. We're excited about it. And if you're watching online, we're so glad you guys are joining us. Uh, and I want to do a shout-out to Pastor Eric, who uh, messaged me from the other side of the world is all I know, that God is using our teachings here to encourage him and his church. And we had an opportunity yesterday to pray for his church as well as we gathered here for our prayer gathering. So it was really a powerful day yesterday. And so there was a lot of people that were praying for you guys. So you guys may not realize this, but you have been prayed over. And uh, and these seats have been prayed over. And God has just really done some incredible things uh, through our prayer time even yesterday. It was powerful. So we're kicking off a new series called A Place to Belong. The title of it is To Know and Be Known. And, uh, and so, you know, all of us, all of us have this need. We feel this need. Uh, to know and be known you want to you want to know certain people you know like if you if you if you ever wonder if people if it's important for people to know certain people you get around certain people who like to drop names anybody know anybody a, a name dropper that lets you know who they know you know what i'm saying so they want you to know hey i know some people but the real need is often to be known like we want to know that somebody knows us i love the, that little bumper where it's talking about that somebody remembers the special days you know, and someone you know is willing to just sit in the quiet with you or in the messiness of life. But there's people that, that know you. And, uh, and and I think that's a, a beautiful thing. And and that's really what the church is supposed to be about. It's about knowing number one, the one true God, right? We know who God is. We know you know that Jesus is his son, we know that Jesus went to the cross, we know that he died on that cross to set us free, and we know that he has placed the Holy Spirit within our hearts, within our, our souls, if you will. Uh, for those of us that have put our faith in christ and so we know that here's the thing and we want to make that message known we want everyone to know what we know about christ and so a couple things i want to share with you today uh there's a y'all may remember this it says you want to be where you can see that troubles are all the same and you want to be where everyone knows your name anybody remember what that's from yeah cheers. cheers it was a bar right and we, oftentimes we think that you know people go to bars for the alcohol i think a lot of times it's just hey somebody knows my name and somebody you know can you know can kind of share the misery with me you know we always say misery loves company um you know somebody else is going through hard times as well i can sit there and we can kind of get inebriated you know literally tra- you know just together you know drowning our sorrows that really don't go away because that's the wrong way to deal with it right but the bar attracts that, and so Cheers was a place where everybody knew their name. Whenever somebody walked in, they'd holler their name, right? And so the early church is a great picture of knowing and being known. This is called a community of faith. And so the early church, if we look back in the Acts, and that's what we're going to do today, we're going to look at it real quick, and, uh, but it's a reminder that that is what God created through the church. It's a place to know, and it's a place to be known. It's a place to, you know, to build relationships. It's a community of faith. And so here's the passage. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, that's, that's important for us to kind of, kind of unpack this a little bit. Don't just run through it and go, hey, I've heard that a thousand times, Mike. But I want to point out a couple things. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. That's for us. That is the word of God. The apostles' teaching, Jesus' teaching. They devoted themselves to this teaching. And, they, and what they were sharing was they were sharing everything that Jesus had commanded them to teach them you know, and, and to share with them. It says into fellowship, and the fellowship is hanging out. It's doing life together. It's getting to know each other. You know, it's it's being known. You know, it's it's just having fun doing life together. And so that's a positive thing. You know, I think some people think, hey, well, when you get together and you go to a life group or whatever, it's all going to be you know like this religious like man. I'm going to be just bogged down with all this religious stuff, and it's going to be like toilsome. And it's not. What it is is fellowship. You're you're talking. You're having conversations. I mean, even coming in today just catching up with people and talking to people. You know, you can have a brief amount of fellowship, but really outside of today, you know, and in a life group is where that can really happen and take place. To the breaking of bread. That, that's not just the Lord's Supper, that, but that may have been a meal that they would do together. And, you know, for whatever reason, we like to eat, you know, and we'll get together. And whenever people start eating, man, they start talking, they start communicating, they start sharing things. And, uh, you know, and so, we we like to break bread together and do communion. And then it says, and to prayer. And so I would say this too, that prayer is one of those things that can bring us together. Because oftentimes we'll say, Hey, listen, is there any way that we can pray for you? And you may not just tell anybody and everybody that, but if you're in a relationship with some people that you go, you know what, they love me, they care about me, and you know what, and I believe that they're literally gonna pray for me, then you'll share some of your deepest, darkest struggles. And maybe even some of the things that you would tell no one, you say, hey, listen, I need prayer for this. And so I love that. So that's what happened in that early church. So that everyone was filled with awe. I mean, in other words, people were like, wow, man, look at what God is doing. So there was an awe. There was a, this, uh, this awe that just filled the whole place. And the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. In other words, they were together, right? And they had things in common and, and and they were sharing things in common. I, I think back to that line from the song from Cheers. Hey, you want to go where everybody's got the same problems type deal, right? You know. Uh, and so the thing is, there was there was a common thing there. They knew each other. They knew Jesus was the way, the truth, and life. And they shared life together. So it's a beautiful picture of that. And so here at Journey Church, we we talk about life groups a lot. But that's where we believe that you really do community. Now, in here, we can shake hands and we can hug necks. And, you know, and and we don't have much time to do that, right? Like I was trying to make my way down here a few minutes ago just to see some people. But the thing is, is I can't get in touch with everybody in here. But in a life group, you can. In a life group, there may only be 10, 12, maybe 15, because we don't really want them to be that much bigger than that. We want them to be small units of people that are getting together that get to know each other and they're doing life together and so here's here's some key things the word of God we just read it right the word of God that's that we feel like that is the most important thing because there's two things that last forever the souls of men will last forever and the word of God and so the word of God is important so if we're sharing the word of God in a life group we're sharing something that is foundational that will that will last forever and then here's another one fellowship getting together spending time together laughing together I mean having a good time together, you know. Fellowship is so critical. The very things that we just saw, breaking bread, having a meal, you know. We in our life group, uh, we had uh, we, we had someone who uh, had had you know they're building a shop and their shop burned down. And uh, and they're they're the hosts. It's, it's Bo and Amy Burbage. And uh, and actually, I, I think they're sitting right back there. They are. Hey guys, what's up? And so they had, their shop had burned down. They'd been to the mountains on this high. They had this great trip. They come back cut the grass, and the, and the shop burns down. And, and we're, we're all praying for them, and I'm calling, hey, man, is there anything we can do? And then our life group, was, that was on Monday. So on, on Wednesday, we've got life group, and I'm like, hey, uh, and we're like, hey, listen, y'all don't need to do anything. Do y'all need to host or whatever? And they're like, nope, come on. And, and Amy fixes this big old meal. And you know what we're doing? We're eating, and I'm sitting there going, I almost feel bad eating because, you know, of everything that happened in their life. But the thing is, they wanted fellowship. They wanted to be able to say, hey, listen, let's get together. And we had a great life group. And so what I'm saying is, we were able to do life together, and, we, and even in the ups and the downs, right? So I don't here's the thing I don't know if you've got anywhere, but here's the thing that's a place to belong. The life group is a place where you can feel like you know what I belong here, and I want to be around these people, and I want to know what they're going through, and I want to know how to pray for them, and I want to be there for them. And, and so I, I think if you're looking for something, that's a place to be. And we you know what we do we do we do prayer. We've got someone in our group that's battling cancer. And man, we, you know, we got to go by, we got to take them some food, and literally just to go by and just pray over them. And so I don't know if you've got people in your life like that, but that's what a life group is about. And it's a place to, to know you know, that be how these people care, and it's a place to be known. They know what you're going through, and they know how to walk with you through life. I want to share another story uh, with you today. This is out of Luke chapter 15. I just taught on this not too long ago. And so this whole week, I felt like the, the, the Holy Spirit, God just kept leading me back, to the prodigal son i don't know why but he does and that's all that matters right because he's the one that's in control and so i kept going back and i was like you know lord i just taught on that not too long ago but it's like everything kept coming back to the prodigal son and and so i wanted to share with you and so this is a story that we see it's a beautiful story but jesus is teaching in luke chapter 15 and he starts out talking about the lost sheep you know that you know the shepherd's willing to leave the 99 to go find the one You know, and a lot of people say, hey, it's all about evangelism. It's all about, you know, going after the the lost, you know. And then it's the lost coin. And so the woman is, you know, she she sweeps the house and she celebrates because she finds that coin. And then we get to the prodigal son. And so a lot of people would say, you know, it's not necessarily about evangelism as much as it is about those who have wandered off. You know, the sheep was already part of the flock. It had wandered off. The coin was already in her possession, but she lost it. And the son was already a son. But he chose to go live in while living, and so it's a story of coming home and 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 maybe to be hey, brought back to where we we need to be. And sometimes, you know, God calls us to repentance or there's a there's a change of mind that will take place. As a, there's a you know what I'm headed in the wrong direction. I, I need to change the path that I'm on. So Jesus is telling you know those first two stories, and then he tells this. He says to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story: a man had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a, a distant land. And there he, was, he wasted all of his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So here's the thing is, he had cut people out of his life that he needed. He cut people out of his life that he needed. And when we look back at the story now, a lot of, Jesus is teaching this, you know, Jesus was a Jew, so he's teaching this to Jewish people. So the fact that this boy is wanting to eat the slop of a hog, you know, you're going, man, how disgusting is that? You know, and so, so Jesus is teaching the Pharisees had just been kind of giving him a tough time about healing on the Sabbath and everything. So when he's teaching this, he's letting them know, Hey, listen, guys, you're, you're focused on the wrong things. You're focused on the wrong things. And he said, Hey, listen, you need to understand, you know, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of the father. And, And so here's this young man, you know, who had literally, you know, he had disrespected his father. I mean, he had said, Hey, listen, I want my money now before you die in other words I'm not waiting till you die to get it I want it now and it was kind of one of those tension things where you know he wanted and so he disrespected his father but he had also cut some people out of his life you know and and when the money ran out the you know these these so-called friends ran out there was nobody there you know it says nobody had anything for him and so this he's out there literally he's looking at this you know what the pigs are eating he's willing. man I'm I'd be willing to eat that and, and, and we'll see, you know, there, there's a change that takes place in his mind. But he had disrespected his father. And, you know, and we have disrespected our heavenly father. We've, we've, we've gone against him. You know, we've demanded things of him. And, you know, and, and we've walked away from him. And this is what the young son did. He, he literally he said, Hey, I want my, my portion now. And he goes off. And what the father had worked so hard for, it doesn't sound like, hey, this is what the son had worked for, this is what the father had worked for. He goes out and he just squanders it in wild living. He literally just kind of trashes it and literally goes through it, goes through everything, and then there's nobody there. So there's really nobody there that really were true friends. There was nobody there that was really for him. They were just for the money. And most of us probably know friends that are like that, but he he had disrespected a, a lot of people. So he had isolated himself from his family. So he had isolated himself from his family. And maybe, maybe some of you watching online or some of you in this room, you know, that may resonate with you. you. go, you know what? That sounds like me. I've, I've isolated myself from my family that I need. And, and I know, listen, you know, we, we thought about even calling this series something on the family. But you know, for a lot of people, family is a four-letter word. Family is not a positive thing. For somebody who grows up in a home full of abuse You know, someone who grows up in a home that's been just a dysfunction junction, you know, you just go, you know, man, I just don't know if family is a positive thing when I think about it. For a lot of people, even whenever they think about their Heavenly Father, they think back to their dad, and they kind of superimpose how their dad was on how God is, and so they see God through those eyes, and oftentimes they struggle with trusting God, hey, because my dad abandoned us, he left, he cheated, he did whatever, and so the thing is, is we go, you know what, man, I don't know if I can trust the Father. But I'm just saying we have a good, good father, a heavenly father who loves us and cares about us. And so oftentimes what we do is we, we've isolated ourselves, We've cut people out of our life that we need in our life. We, and here's the thing, we all need people in our life. We're created to worship God and we're created to have relationships with people. I mean, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we can have a right relationship with him, right? So God's all about relationships. And he wants a relationship with you, and he wants a relationship with me, and he wants us to have right relationships with one another. And so there's oftentimes that, you know, we have disrespected or we have cut people out of our lives, that, and we have isolated ourselves, that we need to go, you know what, God, I need you to, need you to change the way I think about that. I need you to change me. Because here's the thing, I can't change anybody else. I can't change my wife, I can't change my kids, I can't change any of you guys, but I can change what I do, and I can, I can, I can change how I respond to things. So when he finally came to his senses, I love that. It's like he finally came to his senses. It's like it's like, you know, the old V eight, like, hey, well, you just had an epiphany there, you know. But he had this moment. All younger folks are going like, what's a V eight? you know? But when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. See a famine has swept across the land. I mean, he doesn't have anything. You know, and so he is literally starving to death. He's thinking, you know, at least back home, the slaves, the servants have food to spare. In other words, not just enough to eat and not just enough to keep you alive, but they got extra. And he's thinking, man, you know, so he came to his senses. He had that moment. He says, I'll go home to my father. And I love this. He's preparing what he's going to say. He says, so I'll go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a what? As a hired servant or a slave. He said, I don't deserve anything. I disrespected you. You know, he came to his senses. He realized what he had left behind. He realized what he had walked out on. He re- it's like, you know what, I realized what I was doing. He came to his senses. He, re- he looked around at these pigs and these pods, and he goes, what am I doing here? You know, and, and it's always a great moment whenever you have that realization of, you know what, why am I here? How did I get here? Yeah, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, nobody, nobody plans on being an addict. Nobody plans on being an alcoholic. And oftentimes you hit a a point and you go, you know, how did I get to this point? You know, nobody plans on doing those things. But, man, there's so many little gateway things that will get you there. And our culture, man, is pushing it and pumping it. You know, I love college football as much as anybody. And if you look at how many commercials are pumping and pushing all this stuff, and you go, you know what, and we wonder why kids want to go down that road because they make it look so doggone good. They don't show you in those ads for alcohol, you know, some guy laying on the street. You know, they don't show you in those ads for alcohol, you know, there's somebody laying up under a bridge, you know, and they don't watch them dying because their liver is tore up from all that. You don't see all that, right? And so they're selling all this stuff and, and man, you get lured into that and you go, man, I'm going down that road. And it often leads into other things. Nobody sets out to do that. But oftentimes they come to a point and they come to their senses and say, you know what, I need help. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. Now here's a beautiful picture. I get emotional just reading that. And I, 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 get, I have a tough time sometimes teaching through this. But the thing is, is, in this day and age and with who his father was, he wouldn't have run. That was almost, a, that was almost lowering yourself. That was almost like, you know, belittling yourself. But and his father, who probably was wearing a robe, literally picks it up and he takes off running towards his son. Because he recognized that that image, that, that silhouette. And he was like, he goes, I know who it is. And he took off after me. So he runs to him. And he's filled with what? He's filled with love and compassion. And it's just the opposite of what the son was expecting. He was probably expecting to be... You know, put down or put in place or whatever. It just, it maybe, maybe not even given the opportunity to be a slave or a servant. But man, he's, the father's running to him. And can you imagine the father's filled with all this compassion and love and he's running to him? But can you imagine what the son is thinking? The son is looking like, all right, is he coming to take me out? I mean, he is running and you don't do that. But it showed, you know, and to me, it's the picture of the father. I mean, he ran. To bring Jesus to us, he left heaven. Jesus left heaven to come here to reach us. And man, he's coming with such passion. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I mean, he, he's taking ownership here, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's confessing. He had a change of heart, he had a change of mind. He came to his senses, right? He came to his senses, and he said, You know, and it says, you know I'm, he changed the way he was thinking. He says, you know what, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to confess some things, you know, and I'm going to just see what happens. But he had a change of heart. And so here's the thing is, you know, oftentimes our hearts get so hard, especially in our relationships with our family, that we get so hard towards them that we're like, you know what, I'm done. I hate them. Well, God doesn't want your heart filled with hate. He wants your heart filled with love. And he wants your heart filled with forgiveness. And he wants your heart filled with peace with joy you know he wants the fruits of the spirit in our heart not bitterness and anger and resentment now here's the thing there may be some people that you have to say i cannot be around them but you do have to forgive them and let me let me say that again there are some people that you may not be able to be around but you do have to forgive them we all have to if we're believers we're to we're to quickly and thoroughly forgive just as christ has forgiven us so you had to change your heart and change your mind and that's what repentance is it's a change of heart and a change of mind when I'm, when I'm broken over my sin, and this is a great place to be, when I'm broken over my sin, there is, a, there is a desire to confess it to God and then to repent of that. And so what I'm doing, instead of justifying my sin or continuing in my sin or thinking about it the way I've always thought about it, there is a change of thinking, there's a change of heart. I'm broken over my sin. It grieves me. It, br- it grieves my heart. You know, that I have grieved the heart of God. And therefore, there is repentance. And then here's the thing I confess that sin. He He's faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And then there's repentance because I'm changing the way I think about it and I'm changing what I do about it. And so that repentance took place. And so he confessed his sin and he took ownership. He didn't blame anybody else, he didn't even blame the people that had taken his money. He didn't blame it on the famine. What did he say? He said, "I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven and against you." You know. And so here's the thing: is he took ownership of it. Too often, what we want to do is we want to blame somebody. We say, "Well, it was the home I was raised in, or it was my dad's fault, or my mom's fault, or this culture that we're in." Rather than taking ownership, he took ownership, and he confessed his sins. And we see the you know the response of the father. But his father said to the servants quick bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him you know he didn't say hey listen you can kind of work your way in you know everybody here is probably going to wonder what's going on um, and we'll just kind of take some steps with this um, and see if you're really repentant and we'll just see if you really have had a change of heart but that's not what the the way the father responds he goes quick quick that means like hey immediately hey quick Go grab the finest robe in the house and put it on him. It's not like, hey, go get one of those you know, old ones there that nobody's using anymore. It's the finest robe in the house, the best that we have, and put it over his shoulders. I mean, how beautiful is that? And get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Put a ring back on him. We're going to identify him as ours, as he's part of the family. He's my son. You know, he is you know, being restored is what he's doing. He says, and kill the calf. Uh, we have been fattening and we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life and he was lost but now he is found so the what the party began don't you love that so here here we go look at this so the father lavished him with love mercy and grace so the father lavished over him he, he puts the finest robe on him the ring on his fingers sandals on his feet hey go kill the fatted calf and the party began and so man literally you know it's like that's mind boggling. Can you imagine being the son coming back? I've disrespected my father. I've, I've, I've squandered everything he gave me. But yet he runs to me with open arms. He embraces me. He kisses me. And he puts a robe on me. I mean, what a picture of redemption. I mean, how beautiful is that? Man, it's awesome. And so the father restored him. And so the father restored him So I I just want you guys to know what Jesus is teaching the the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. He's saying, man, God's heart is restoration. God's heart is redemption. God's heart is to go after the lost sheep, to go after the lost coin, to go after the lost son or daughter. He said, man, God's heart is restoration. That's what it's about. And so the father restored him and they threw a party. Don't you love that? So if you wonder whenever people come and they put their faith in Christ, we get excited because Jesus did, because the Father does. When people go through the waters of baptism and we pull them out of that water and we say, buried with Christ in, in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life, I mean, we celebrate. Why? Because God does. All of heaven rejoices if one cries out to be redeemed. And so the whole picture here is a party takes place with the redemption or the restoration of one. And it's not just those that are lost But it's those that have wandered off. It's those that have gotten distant and far from God. And maybe you've kind of chasing other things. But I'm just telling you, God's saying to you, hey, if you'll come home, I'll embrace you. I'll love you. I'll kiss you. And I'll restore you. What a beautiful picture, man. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And he returned home. He heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. I mean, they get it. You know, I mean, the the people, the people that work for the father, they get it. Hey, man, your brother's home. I mean, this is good news. We've killed the fattened calf. And, man, we're throwing a party. It's a celebration. Man, we're we're, we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was what? Angry. I mean, some of us would go, why would he be angry? But the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. And so, again, remember, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And so this older brother has got a, an attitude, you know, and he's, he's letting it get in the way of things. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Just being straight up with you, that's probably a lie he's he's full of sin already right he's already battling this and so he's 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 saying hey you never gave me anything well the older son would have gotten the 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 biggest portion most likely half of everything that the father had you know and so the thing is is you know he may not have inherited it inherited yet but everything he has the father said, is his he says yes when the son of yours comes back up, yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fat calf he's like he can I can't believe it But his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Which one are you going to believe? I believe the father. And so what happens is we often, we read that and we go, what's wrong with this this brother? But you know what? There's some of us are the same way. We have the self-righteous condescending. You know, we look at people, you know, they don't deserve, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve to be a part of this. He says, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come to come back to life. He was lost, lost, but now he's found. And so the bro- older brother, he didn't feel he, the, the, the other brother belonged there. He didn't feel he belonged there. He's like, he did not he didn't deserve to be here. He's been wasting your money on prostitutes. He's been out squandering your money on wild living. You know, and for some people, whenever they see certain people walk through the door in churches, and you know, that's what the religious leaders were doing, you know, they're questioning Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, right? He's hanging out with prostitutes. And so Jesus is addressing this. He said, hey, listen, I mean, I know that you're looking around and you are questioning why I spend time with these people, but this is why, because they matter to God and God can change them. God can restore them. God can redeem them. God can heal them. He can set them free. And so they're having a tough time with that, and so these religious leaders, with this condescending, belittling attitude, they're questioning Jesus. And so really, the older brother is a picture of who they are, and we see this in churches all the time. I can remember years ago when we first started, we were at the YMCA, and I had a lady that came in. And she was crying uh, throughout the service, and then she cried. She was crying at the end, and of course, you know, it's one of those things you're like, man, I don't know what's going on. And so, you know, I walk up to her and I say, hey, are you okay? And she goes, I'm just so filled with joy. And I said, well, what's going on? And she goes, this is the first time I've been to church in years. And uh, she said, years ago, she goes, I was sitting, I had, she goes, I, I grew up going to church, she goes, and I kind of lost my way, she goes, I was literally living in a crack house, and uh She said, I was sitting on the front steps on a Sunday morning. And she came to her senses is what she did. It's kind of like the the younger son. She said, she came to her senses and she said, you know, I know better than this. She goes, I know better than this. So she said, she got up and she said, I'm going to go to church. And so she goes to this church. She walks up to the door and the guy kind of stopped her. He goes, ma'am, he goes, can I help you? And she said, I I just, I want to go to church. He goes, you're not coming here to dress like that. She was devastated. She said, you know, and I turned around and I walked away for years. And she said, this is the first day I've tried it again. She goes, and everybody accepted me as I am. And I'm sitting there going like, Lord, don't ever let us be like this older brother as a church or as believers. But then we go, you know what? You're welcome here. Come as you are. I mean, that's been our mentality from the beginning, right? And so it's come as you are because Jesus, he won't leave you where you are he will change you from the inside out. And so the older brother didn't feel like the the younger brother belonged there. The older brother's judgmental attitude blinded him to what was what? Most important. And oftentimes we can be blinded to what's most important because we get so caught up in the worldly things and the superficial things and, and we miss out on what's really most important. The older brother let greed rob him of blessings. And I'm not talking about money. Maybe it was a It was the greed of, hey, I want the father's attention. I want to be first. I want to be the best son. I want to be whatever. And he let whatever that was rob him of blessings. He let he let the you know his judgmental attitude rob him of the blessing that he had a brother that had come home. He should have been the one helping party, you know, not the not the slaves and the servants. But he should have been in there with his father celebrating. And I, listen, I know there are times that things happen in our lives and maybe we've got family members that have hurt us and wounded us and maybe they've, they've taken a lot of things from us and, and we kind of get to the point where, you know what, I'm done. But whenever there's restoration, whenever there's repentance, whenever there's brokenness, whenever there is hope, whenever there's true life change, we ought to be the first to celebrate and say, God, thank you that you're not done work in miracles. And so how beautiful is that story? So here's some next steps uh, for for me today, or for you today, for all of us, to realize God knows me and everything about me, yet he loves me. God knows everything about me. And so I I don't know which brother you are. I don't know if you're the younger brother. I don't know if you're the older brother in that story. But here's what I will say. God loves you no matter who you are. And even in our judgmental You know, condescending, you know, you know, I'm better than everybody else mentality. God can break your heart and 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 here's the thing, you can come to your senses and realize, man, I am as broken as anybody. And maybe even like the younger brother, you can be at some point in your life where you go, you know what, man, I need Jesus. I need to confess my sins. I need to have a change of mind and a change of heart, and I need to truly repent. Because I haven't been living in a way that honors God. I haven't been glorifying Him with my life. I haven't been on mission. I haven't been doing what Jesus taught me to do. I've been chasing this world and trying to live up to the world's standards and not God's standards. And maybe I just need to come to a point of brokenness over that. And then here's another one. Join a life group where I can connect with other believers and grow. And grow. I can connect with other believers And share where I am in this journey called life maybe I can pray for other people that are going through the same things that I'm going through maybe I can prepare a meal and invite them into my home maybe I can learn enough of God's word that I can teach others what God has taught me so I don't know what the step might be for you But I do believe that God is calling us home. And He said, hey, listen, I want you to be in right relationship with me, no matter where you are, whether you're the younger son or the older son. And just like the father in the story, He runs to embrace us. And He celebrates the repentance, the confession, and the brokenness. And He restores us. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're watching online, or you're here in the room, and you feel like, "Hey, Mike, I'm the I'm the younger brother. I'm the younger son. I've been wondering. I've been chasing everything but Jesus, and I realize today it's time for me to change my focus and my direction." And I just want to encourage you. Hey, just confess that. Just say, Jesus, I am I, I'm, I'm adrift. I'm, I am I'm lost. And so, Jesus, I'm coming to you. And I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to be my leader, my Lord. I'm asking you to restore me. Jesus, I've blown it. I've let you down. I've let others down. So I'm asking you to forgive me. And maybe you're the older Brother. You know, we don't know how the story of the older brother really ends. Doesn't say that he found, you know, in his heart to to confess, to be repentive. Maybe he just lived the rest of his life judgmental, bitter and angry. That's not what the what God wants desires for us or wants for us. His desires that we'd have the fruits of the spirit. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control god wants us to experience those things right so the question is where are you and what are you willing to do because god wants to restore you so just call out and say jesus i want to ask you if if, would you come into my life would you be my leader would you be my lord jesus i confess you that i have sinned i have blown it i've messed up i confess that to you So, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my leader, my Lord. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's a change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. That's repentance. So, Jesus, I'm asking you to accept me. And his answer is yes. And he embraces you, and he kisses you, and he says, hey, my child is home. I don't know how God is working in your heart today. But in just a minute, the worship team is going to lead us through a song, and I want to encourage you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads you to respond. There's there's four chairs sitting here at the front, just like last week. We've got markers in them. And there may be a prodigal that you know that you need to write their name down and pray for them. Maybe a family member that doesn't know you you write their name on that chair and you say I'm gonna pray for them it's a commitment there may be somebody that you just need to forgive father I thank you for meeting with us today God I thank you for this message in scripture the prodigal son God I thank you that you restore us God, I thank you that you are loving, you're kind, you're forgiving, and you throw a party when one comes home. So God, we've been praying for our one for so long now. So God, we're just praying that today will be the day of salvation for many of those. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.